Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. I'm speaking with Bill Kiefer today. We're discussing his book, The Military Career Transition, Insights from the Employer Side of the Desk. He tells me about a little of the 150 insights and how they're used to help veterans go from the military into public life. The ways that he addresses bringing people out of that mindset and taking their skills and their interests and all they need to be able to start and take that first step to get on the right path. Bill is a veteran. He's a leadership coach and so much more. He explains what it takes to take that life and move it forward. He talks to me about different mindsets and what he sees as the tools that are needed. He also explains to me and makes me understand how valuable his book could be for anybody that is looking to be able to move on, change, or just having troubles figuring out what it takes for that life. So join me in my conversation with Bill. I have a feeling you're going to be looking forward to it if you're a veteran moving out of the military or preparing to, or if you're looking at finding a new path and trying to get ready to start a new one. So I appreciate you being here. Like I always tell people, go to authorblurb.com where you can see the profile of Bill, the different information he gives me, his website, and all sorts of information on him. With that being said, thank you and enjoy the conversation. And I'm here with Bill Kiefer. He wrote Military Career Transition, a book all about the transition from being in the military to the real world. But instead of me going on about this, Bill, can you explain to people about this book, what it is, what it is and a little bit about yourself so people can get to know you? Yeah, glad to, Eric. Um, and thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Um, so the book is Military Career Transition, and the subtitle is Insights from the Employer Side of the Desk. I've worked for many years uh, informally and more recently formally with service members and veterans and other folks about career transition. And oftentimes the discussion um, fails to include any insights from the employer. Um, it's about service members working with their fellows, brothers in arms, um, and, and maybe some good HR people or maybe recruiters. But very uh, infrequently does the conversation talk about what does employers really want? And I thought there was a real gap there because at the end of the day, if uh, veterans or service members or others are looking for work, and if employers are the ones that have the jobs, seems to me only logical that the, uh, the conversation needs to be had. So um, how did it all come about? I, uh, I did 12 years active duty as an army officer, all right. um, 85 to 97. And I got out with absolutely no idea what I was doing or how to do it. I just, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I landed initially pretty well, um, but it was my second job that really started a great career. And that was 22 years in senior HR leadership um, executive level, global level positions, focusing not just on the technical, tactical bits of HR, but on talent management, understanding what kind of talent the organization needed, how to go get it. And once we get it, how do we develop that talent? So we've got the right people in the right seat at the right time to bring to life our business strategy. Um, I did that for 22 years. In 2018, I decided to hang out my own shingle and started my own independent coaching and advisory firm. Part of that work, part of my primary mission there is to do what's covered in the book, and that is to work with military veterans to help them not have as bad a turning, right? 
Of course. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that doesn't exist in the civilian world. And further, when service members move from one job to another or one post or installation to another, they're assigned sponsors. So every time I moved in the military, I went from one post to the next. I would get my orders. And then shortly thereafter, I would get a letter from a sponsor, somebody who's already on the ground in the unit that I'm in or going to rather. Um, and they would kind of be my guide, my mentor, my advisor, uh, my sponsor to ensure the transition is successful. So not only does that uh, uh, world of support exist at initial entry, it happens along the way and through the career, right, right. up until you get to separation, whether it's retirement or regular end term of service. Um, there's a program they call TAP, the Transition Assistance Program. All right. It tends to be perhaps more technical, tactical, and here's a great way to get out. It doesn't really effectively, I don't think, uh, cover this culture gap. So you go through TAP, you mm -hmm. exit, you get your DD-214, you clear your post, and you, whether you're retiring or whatever, and now you're on your own. So Perhaps for the first time in your life. Yeah. And you're on your own and oftentimes ill-equipped to deal with that uh, big, gray, unknown world that you're stepping into. And further, you're really less equipped to do it alone. So let me ask you this, since this is from the employer side of things, mm -hmm. is this also addressing how employers should handle new veterans and things like that? So say an HR manager wants to pick up your book just to get some insights on how to deal with incoming vets, because one, they have the discipline, they have a lot of great skills that as mm -hmm. government paid for, our tax money paid for, so they have skills that can translate into the real world. Does your book tell employers, hey, if you want to introduce more veterans into your workforce, these things are helpful to do? Or can So you pick that is up? a stream of work that I do. It's probably a different version of my book. Okay. Uh, um, but I do address it indirectly. Um, my book is structured with 151 different insights. Some are very short. Some okay. are a little more lengthy. Some have stories tied to them. Some have graphics that I you know, designed to help kind of get the learning point in. Right. And for a non-veteran, an HR professional, hiring manager, a business owner that's interested in bringing military veterans to their workplace, this can be a very effective tool to provide them insights about what veterans see and know or perhaps don't see and don't know. Right. Um, so it's got benefit. Oh, the, tar the target our audience is service members and military veterans. Um, there's real value to one, employers, right. um, less directly. And there's also tremendous value for other folks um, that are just generally in career transition. The examples in the book are military, but mm -hmm. the lessons and the learning points are not. They are applicable to any career field, uh, military or not. In fact, I'm working with a couple other different, uh, pretty interesting populations very early um, to see how we might help the law enforcement. So would you suggest this book to be something that parents get their kids to have an understanding of transitioning from one point of life to another point of life because high school and college, you still have that support structure there right. with you compared to the real world where you're on your own outside of your family. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if, if the reader can get past the military context and, and really pay attention to the learning points, it could absolutely be applicable to high school students and certainly to college, uh, right. new graduates entering the, entering the work world. Uh, because we all come from a past that had certain expectations, certain yeah. norms, and um, students are now entering a work world 
that truly is different. It's different than school. It's different than university. Um, it's different than trade school. Now you're out doing the work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that students um, yeah. and others understand what they're getting into. So right. yeah, I think it's totally applicable. And it's maybe another version that's out on the horizon. <laughs> well, that's always good to hear. Yeah. So it does sound like you're planning on putting out some more, more insightful books. Mm -hmm. So with your business right now, if I'm looking at this right, you have, what is it, executive coach, you've been, you have several portions of it, leadership guidance, mm -hmm. things like that in your business. Mm -hmm. Do those follow, not directly, I'm not saying you're trying to be an executive coach in your book, but do you use those disciplines in your book to help refine so people know that you're not just, oh, I'm out of the military, I'm a recruiter or I'm coaching people. You actually have the background and you're using that background to actually provide solid knowledge and yeah. information. Yeah. So there's really four primary areas in my work portfolio. Okay. The first is military career transition. Right. And inside of that, I work with uh, service members, veterans, and others to help them transition. But I also work with employers to help them understand how to create or optimize a veteran hiring or employment strategy. I'm not a recruiter, but I do help them understand some of the nuance of targeting the veteran market. And once you've targeted them, how do you go about it and what do you do to get them, engage them well, and keep them over time? So that's all inside the veteran uh, transition piece. I'm right. also a leadership coach, executive coach. I have been for years. Mm -hmm. certified through Marshall Goldsmith. And I think that's really relevant here um, because once anyone lands in a new job, in this case, military veterans, mm -hmm. they got to know how to succeed. And sometimes folks land in a new place and success is maybe a little challenging, got to get their legs up underneath them. Right. So I do work with folks in that um, kind of uh, circumstance also. Right. I'm engaged by companies to say, you know, we brought in Johnny or Sally and then we had these expectations. And uh, we kind of have a gap here. Can you help? So that's a second line of work. And what I've learned through there is informative indirectly in the content of the book. Okay. All right. The other piece that I use, a uh, third piece that I deal with is strategic talent management. And that's working with the business leaders to look at and consider the business strategy through the lens of talent. For example, I was with Dana, the large automotive supplier for eight years. I ran global talent management. I was their head of corporate HR and, and simultaneously the VP of HR for their commercial vehicle group. Okay. One of our business challenges at that point in time was to understand how we would grow inorganically in Southern China. Said another way, how do we buy companies in Southern China and make them successful and accretive to our portfolio? Right. Um, and they had done tremendous amount of work. Our finance folks, our engineers, our operations, our supply chain, legal and I noticed that no one had looked at the talent. Do we have the right people to do all this? So we went on a global uh, mission, I guess, to mm -hmm. look at every function in the relevant businesses and at the, at the corporate headquarters. Given this strategic objective and the particular deliverables, do we have the right people with the right skills in every one of these? If we do, great. If we don't, what are we going to do about it? Do we have time to develop people? Do we need to reorganize? Do we bring new people in? Now, that's informative for the book because all that strategic talent background forms how employers look at talent and how they're maybe why they're out looking for talent. Okay. All right. 
The last piece of this is public speaking and facilitation, and that's kind of obvious. Talk about related topics. So I understand. So with that, I guess it sounds like a lot of this is going to be helpful for people to be able to basically not just flounder around. Is there any insights, any additional details of the book that you can share that would actually help people before they even get the books as they're waiting for it? Say they order it today. What can they start doing now before they even get your book so that they can start moving forward in life? So what I'd suggest, the first thing you do is open your mind. Now, that sounds kind of abstract and kind of weird, right? Right. But one of the things that sometimes holds people back in career transition is that they're holding on tightly to the past. It's understandable. Right. It's where they were. It's what they're familiar with. It's common to them. But they need to, one, get their mind open up to the world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And when I get into the book, I mean, the very first thing, one of the very first things I talk about in the book is why employers hire people. It's under the general business section, right? right. And employers hire people for two simple reasons. They select the candidate that has convinced them that they are, one, best able to successfully do the work that needs to be done. Right. And two, that they're going to fit well and add value to the team. It's kind of the technical, tactical, and the cultural behavioral together. Everything else in this whole hiring process is a, is a whole series of steps to get to those two answers, right? All right. Can the person do the work I need done? They're going to fit well and add value to the team. So um, that's an important perspective that I think when I ask people to open their minds, um, they, they need to do that. Another important thing that I would suggest, and I go into it in the book, I, it's my six-step framework to uh, career transition success, is not only do you have to realize all and learn all these things that are in the book, but you have to understand who you are and what you bring into the party, right. the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how you define success. What does good look like? So who you are, and that I, when I coach people, I've got, you know, I think a 36-item diagnostic I ask them to fill out, and we, we kind of take their initial answers, and then we refine them down and go, okay, is this really you? Right. Is this really the capability you bring? Is this really the experience? And by the way, what are some things that are like absolute hard no's for you? And what are your pet peeves? And, you know, because it's all informative when they make their career decisions, okay? When right. they make their uh, choices about which careers to look into. Um, and then we talk about how they define success. And some folks, depending on where they are in their career, success may be all about money and advance. I want to make money and I want to move up quick. Okay. Other folks, their definition of success might be, I need to have flex time because I've got certain family issues that I need to attend to, and I can't be locked in an office 60 hours a week or in the plant 60 hours a week. Those are all different definitions of success. Right. And many times people don't understand what their definitions are until they're facing a decision about following up on an opportunity or even taking an offer. I've seen far too many times where people go, this is a great offer. It makes a lot of money, but it's not in a location I want to be. Right. So well, then me, why did you chase it? You know, so that kind of work. understand. So let me ask this. Mm-hmm. So today's job market, mm-hmm. mind you, I'm in my mid forties now. So I've been through the work career since let's not go f- how far back I've been working, but I've been working before I could drive to say the least. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I've for years stayed at companies for multiple years. Right. But with, the environment of where I'm at now in Virginia, outside of the DC area, people have a tendency of working one to two years and changing jobs, mm-hmm. or because the career field is so, you can easily find a new job 
within a week or a month to say the least out here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you need work where being originally from ohio i can tell you finding work if you lose your job in an office or like i do restaurant designs as a full-time job doing that you have troubles finding that kind of work out there in mm -hmm. northwest ohio where mm -hmm. i'm originally from mm -hmm. I can tell you, I know maybe three designers in all of Ohio that I could probably talk to. Mm -hmm. So you tend to stay where there's less opportunities at longer places or stay Good. longer yeah. at places when there's less opportunity. Potentially. Now, so here's my, where my question comes in is in an area, say somebody gets your book, mm -hmm. they've gone through where they've transitioned from one job to another job to another job because they've taken those bad decision jobs, the, dis, the jobs that looked great, they were promised the world and ended up being just nothing really of importance or something mm -hmm. that's going to help them really. Mm -hmm. They're tired of doing that. They're at the point of they want a job that just is where they can have whatever they define as a success. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice, what kind of direction would you give somebody like that? So a couple of things. One, the job um, uh, uh, changes, the frequency of job changes is much higher than it was um, years ago. You know, 23, four years ago when I entered the civilian job market, right. what you described about entering a company and staying for many years was common and it was right. expected. Um, I noticed over the years, I did a lot of work in Asia also, and I noticed, particularly in the China market, right. um, what we're seeing today was common back then. So what happened? Well, what happened is it became an employee job market, okay? Mm -hmm. um, people have their pick and choose because employers are having trouble filling their, uh, uh, filling their open positions, right? So, you know, perhaps I took a job at this location for this title and this kind of pay, and it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So I keep looking, I keep networking, absolute key to success. Right. And then you find it and you move. So the advice I would say is the grass isn't always greener. Right. So if you're going to leave something that is meeting your needs, at least in some material way uh, or, or meaningful way, rather, don't jump until you know what you're jumping into. OK, right. you'd hate to jump in the pool and find out it's empty. Okay? Oh, yeah. So, um, so be aware of that. The other bit is and this maybe sounds a little bit cold, but, you know, I can tell you firsthand that when you leave a company about the second you're gone and within a day or so, they got a job posting up in your history. Right. Your yeah. memory. So you the sense of loyalty to the company is significantly different now than it used and there are some sociologists and organizational uh, uh industrial psychologist folks that would say that you know that's because the companies industries broke their promise of loyalty to employers decades ago however right. we got to where we are we are here so if you're in a job that isn't meeting your need keep looking Right. Um, understand, like you said, the availability of jobs is different from market to market, industry to industry, and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, and I always tell people, you got to balance pragmatism and passion. If you're absolutely passionate about something and it's an absolute no-go in the area you're in, so what are you going to do about it? I'll tell you a quick story, if you don't mind. Years yeah. ago, I was coaching a young, a young gentleman who had been a uh, avionics repair guy for rotary wing aircraft for the Army. He was a helicopter man. Right. He wanted to come back to Toledo, Ohio. Mm -hmm. was getting out family was from Toledo and, and I said great what do you want to do he goes I want to be a helicopter mechanic in Toledo Ohio <laughs> I said okay that's great why don't you go look at the job boards and see what you find and come back in a few days so we talked a few days later and he goes I don't see anything I said yeah we just there isn't that big a footprint here 
for rotary wing assets. Right. And they, those tend to be, you know, life flight and air ambulance kind of things. And who knows where that, those can get serviced uh, at a distance, maybe not here, right? Right. Columbus, Cleveland, somewhere around. Sure, there. sure, wherever. So I said, you got to decide what's more important. Is the job being a helicopter mechanic more important than the geography? Or is the geography more important than the job? And nobody can decide that for you. Right. You have to, that's the kind of stuff when I work with folks, they, this is what we work you through. You, you have to make some decisions because not only are you alone, and that's foreign in this case to many military veterans, alone in the transition, apart from family, um, right. um, you're now facing decisions that nobody's trained you how to make. My hope is that the content of my book will help people, military and otherwise, mm -hmm. understand not just the context, the environment, the world they're getting into, but to help them understand how to consider the variables and make good decisions for them. All right. So now I know we're getting closer to the end of the show, so I don't want to drag you too long. But so here's one last question. And the only reason I ask is because I have personal experience for doing this. So when I moved from the Northwest Toledo, Ohio area out to the Washington, D.C. area, I ended up, so say the rotary guy, the guy doing the helicopter repair, mm -hmm. he had to move to, say, a larger city mm -hmm. that has more of that need to it. What would your suggestion be or what was your suggestion if he decided I'm going out here, but all my family is back in Ohio? Say he well, went to another state. Sure. Sure. That's a good point. And that's one of the things that I ask folks up front. That's part of the initial bit. What do you, uh, who are you? What do you bring into the party? Right. Uh, some folks um, are very tied to their, when I got out, it was important to me to be back in the Toledo, Ohio area, because mm -hmm. that's where my family was. Okay. Family was my priority at that point. Right. And I knew that would be limiting or could be limiting in my career choices. It mm -hmm. turns out that I did okay. Um, <laughs> right. But um, they have to make their decision with their eyes wide open. So, you know, if I decide that the geography is going to change, mm -hmm. I'm going to be in um, D.C. in your case. Right. And because I believe there are or I know there are more opportunities to do what it is I want and love to do. Um, then you got to understand that nothing's free. There's a cost. So you, you may have more nice. job opportunity. You may have. Uh, maybe opportunity for better money, but the cost of that is you're going to be further away from family and friends and that which you've known. Some folks, that's fine. Other folks, that's not okay. And if that being away from whatever the location is that ties you to things, well, then you got to decide, maybe I can't do what I wanted to do. What else might I be able to do? And I help folks through that also. All right. So let's say, and I know I keep expanding off of one question to another. That's okay. That's right. So let me use the helicopter guy as an example. Mm -hmm. So let's say his main concern was the state in Toledo, Ohio region. Mm -hmm. With his background, what would you have suggested he started looking at, start doing? I mean, so how what, would you direct him to go? So what I did is I, I started conceptually, okay? I said, and I advise a lot of people about this when they're trying to decide what to do. So it's you think of a triangle, kind of visualize a triangle, three sides, or you could do three circles that interlock either way. All and right. the one is, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. Not just the job, but really, truly, what are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? What causes you to be motivated enough to go do the hard work? Okay? Right. The second thing is, what are you good at? Not just the job title, but what are those competencies, capabilities, experiences that cause you to be successful? Okay. All right. And then the third piece, either the base of the triangle or the third circle that would intersect, is how can I make some money? <laughs> or said another yeah. way is what meets the pragmatic needs of my circumstance. Oftentimes that boils down to money, right? 
Right. So if you can figure out what you're passionate about and what you're really good at beyond the, the job description, mm-hmm. and then you can figure out where where are the opportunities, where can I make some money, you can triangulate that down to success. In the case of this former client, his uh, primary passion was being back with family. Right. Okay. And he had some other interests that, you know, beyond rotary wing stuff, it was still in the mechanical field. Uh, and then we figure out what he's good at. And it wasn't just, you know, being an avionics tech on Blackhawks. I mean, that's one thing, but he's good at mechanical repair. He's good at troubleshooting. He's good at problem solving. He's good at managing parts and inventory. He's good at handling tools. He's skilled with this. He's skilled with that, so on and so forth. And then the next bit is how can I make some money? Well, what are different jobs, career fields, or industry where he could leverage those two passions that are in the Toledo, in his case, Toledo area? Does that make sense? Yeah, which to me tells me heavily factory area, maintenance manager or something along those mm-hmm. lines. So, mm-hmm. okay, I see where that leads. So, yeah, with that, I mean, you have you have an interesting bit of information that sounds like that the book, Military Career Transition, from the employer side of the desk. What What really is the final message before we wrap up? Would you like to tell people, and you can say as long as you like, but what would you really hope people get out of your book? How do you hope it helps them? And what is what was your um, drive to do it so that it could be able to helpfully push them to get yeah. it? So let me start with the last question first. My drive for the book, my motivation is so nobody has to go through the difficult transition I went. Okay? Right. Um, my, uh, I think what people get out of this is some understanding and insight into what employers are looking at and what the business world looks like, okay? Because employers are the ones with the jobs by definition. And I don't think it's uh, appropriate or I don't think anyone could expect to be successful or optimize their success, if you will, if they don't know what they're getting. My hope is that when people read the book um, and and I've had all kinds of great feedback about this, uh, is that this provides... Um, I call it, it's a military term, but I call it intelligence preparation of the career battlefield, okay? It's a play off a military thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the military, you know, we don't send troops into combat without fully preparing them with knowledge about the area, the operations, the people, the society, the power grid, the water, the hydrology, the terrain, all that, right? right. Uh, we don't do that. But when we cut them loose at the end of their military career, there's no corollary there. What I'm offering is that kind of robust look at different dimensions of the civilian workforce and what employers are expecting so readers are better capable uh, uh, and prepared to be successful in their transition and search. All right. Well, from just our conversation, it sounds like this book is going to be much more helpful to people, not just in the military field, but anybody that's looking to figure out what to do, how to address their professional life. The reviews on Amazon, there's nobody saying a bad thing. Everyone talks about how helpful it is to them. I have to imagine this is a fantastic book. In fact, I might personally have to get it and review it myself. Just So with that being said, I know people can find your information that I created a profile for you on authorblurb.com. They can go to the guest list and search your name under either William or Bill Kiefer mm-hmm. and find you. And your LinkedIn and your website is listed there. But let's say for some reason, somebody doesn't want to go to my website. How can they find you if they want to just go and find you? So probably the easiest way to go to LinkedIn. 
Okay. Uh, I have nearly 14,000 connections on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. So it's William E. Bill Kiefer. You can put in Bill Kiefer one, you're going to find me. Um, right. So that's one way. The other way is um, my website, www.kiefer, K-I-E-F-F-E-R-associates.com. My email is bill at kiefer-associates.com. Right. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Well, that sounds good. Well, Bill, I really do appreciate you being here. I be, We were talking earlier. It sounds like you have more coming out. You have more that's going to be presented. I can't wait till those come out as well. I have a feeling they're going to be just as insightful as the military career transition. So with that being said, thank you for being on. And I'll if you can hold on just for a moment, I'll talk to you right after we're done recording. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I found that interesting and I really enjoyed talking with Bill. So I hope you go find his book, buy it, read it, share it, and get more people interested to help the veterans or anybody transitioning into the work career field. Even trying to find your path in the world is interesting in this book. So go to authorblurb.com where you can find all the information on Bill that I have. His information, again, is in the show notes, but at authorblurb.com, you'll find out where he is, where the guests that have been on the show prior, and the future guests coming on are. There, you'll also be able to find all of our shows that we've aired, including this one. So I hope you go there. And while you're there, check out our show support tab, where you can either buy a cup of coffee, donate in crypto, and be able to help the show grow and be able to entertain and bring in better quality interviews. And finally, do me a favor. If you get a chance, review the show, give it a five-star preferably rating and let other people know about it. The more you help grow the show, the more people are going to learn about these authors. This is all about you, the readers, learning about great authors. So thank you. And I look forward to seeing you again soon.